Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. So hey, part five of our Philippians series. Have you guys been enjoying the series so far? It's been pretty amazing going through all the books of Philippians, going through all the chapters. And uh, we're here part five, and uh, I want to go through chapter three. It's, it's a couple verses, but I believe that there's so much richness in this text, so much things that I think we can take home with our, in our lives and so much that can help us in our day-to-day walk. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read chapter 3, and bear with me. I'm going to do the best I can to keep it animated and all that stuff, but read chapter 3. I'm going to share the title of my message. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into this thing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. If not, it'll be on the screen for you guys over there. So starting in verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He's saying, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's funny that he could say rejoice in the Lord when he's in prison right now. It's crazy. It is trouble for me to write. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Paul's not pulling any punches here today. For it was those who were circumcised and who, who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have re- reasons for such confidence. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to a law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that though I would, but which through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to be a part of the, res- the, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take take such view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God, God will make clear to you. Let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you as just as you have a model, and use us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him will bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies bodies, so that we will will be like his glorious body. Amazing, amazing verse right here. Uh, uh, So much we can gather from here. And I'm going to do my best to break down these verses so we can go home knowing how to take on the day, knowing how to press forward, not looking back, but pressing forward to everything that God has for us. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is hashtag goals, hashtag 
goals. I don't know if you have social media, but it's a pretty popular one. Hashtag goals. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into it. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak in this moment, that you would have your way in this service, Father, that you would just take control, God, that I would decrease and you would increase, that your word would be made alive here today, Father, that you would speak to people here that may be struggling to find a goal. You would speak to people that may be struggling with their past, that you would be with people here that may be struggling with hanging out with the wrong crowd and finding the right group, that today they would know, Father, what the right goal is, Father, and that is to follow you. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're gonna, God, we cannot do this without you. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the reason I titled my message hashtag goals is I don't know if, if any of you have social media, if you have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, but it's, it's a pretty popular goal. Like you could go on Instagram and you'll see a picture of Beyonce with her, with her pregnancy and it'll be like, someone will be like, oh my gosh, pr- uh, pregnancy goals. Or you can see some guy who's like 60 years old with like a six pack and it's like, oh my gosh, hashtag body goals. I want to have that. Or you'll see somebody where it's like vacation goals or it'll be squad goals or it'll be like all these different goals. And just because you may not use those hashtags, can we all be honest here? Some of, a lot of us have goals. We may not speak it out. We may not write it down. But some of us, most of us, have an idea of where our life is going, where we, where we want our lives to go. We may not hashtag it. We may not write it. We may not speak it. But all of us are going somewhere. And the question I want to ask here today is, what is your goal? Where is your life going? What gets you up every day in the morning? And I want to follow that. Is your goal the right goal? So some of you, you may have a goal. Like, I have goals for that. I have, a thing, I have things that I want to get accomplished in my life. But, but are they the right goals? Because I think a lot of us, we could be really good at making sure or thinking that we have the right goals and going after it, but failing to pick the right goals in the first place. Because how many of you know you can, you can make excellent time going in the wrong direction? It's like, okay, hey, babe, you ready for, for Orlando? I'm ready to go. Disney World, let's go. 80 miles per hour, punch it. And then you see that sign that says, welcome to Tampa. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? This is not where we were going. So it doesn't matter how fast you're trying to get your goals, how much you're doing towards your goal, you may not have the right goal. So what I want to break down today is what is your goal and is it the right goal? And if we look at Job, in Job 6.11, it tells us this. It tells us, and they should have it up there, Job 6.11. If not, I have it on my notes. Okay, it says, but don't have the strength. No, that's not it. Okay, so what strength do I have left that I can keep on hoping? What goal do I have that would, pro- that would want me to pro- prolong my life? So is your goal something that gets you up every day in the morning? Is it something that builds your character? Is it something that say, hey, you know what? I'm going to press on toward this thing because this thing is what's getting me up in the morning. I'll have a goal. I see my goal. Am I getting up toward it? Is this thing something that I want to prolong my life? Is this something that I want to get up every day going after? Because the right goal will do that to you. The right goal will get you out of bed. The right goal will build your character. The right goal will make you press on. It will make you go the process of life. The right goal will change your life. And the question I want to ask is, what is your goal and is it the right one? You see, here in in, in chapter 3, Paul is fighting for us to know. He's fighting for the church of Philippi to know what the right goal is and how to get after it. So here in chapter 3, there's three parts. I broke it down to three sections. And in verses 1 through 11... I believe what Paul's trying to tell us, and this is the first point of my message, is this. That in order to find the right goal, we need to follow the right person. First point, I think this is the first thing he says from the jump. And Paul here is a little, a little background in this area. Paul right now is writing to a group of, of Jewish Christians who all they are about, their goal in life, their goals in life, 
is to make sure that the tradition, that the law, that religion of Judaism stays intact. And so what they're doing is they're finding out about these people that are receiving faith in Jesus. And they're going up to them and telling them, hey, guys, hey, congratulations, but you're actually not a Christian. You're actually not a follower of Christ because you weren't circumcised on the eighth day. You weren't circumcised. And because of that, you can no longer, you, you can't be in the fellowship of God. You cannot know him. It's, it's by your acts. It's by what you do. It's by following the law. It's how you receive righteousness. So Paul here is talking and battling against this lifestyle of self-righteousness. This lifestyle is telling you, hey, you have to do this to be safe. You have to do this on the Sabbath. You have to do this and this and this and this. And a list of all these traditions of how you can accept Jesus how can, or how you can be in communion with Jesus. So Paul's fighting against, and he's using some strong language here, calls them dogs and mutilators of the flesh. And he's like, hey, look, don't listen to those people. I'm going against them. What you need to know is that the circumstances is us who worship God in the spirit. If you have accepted Jesus, you are now, you don't have to worry about the Old Testament law about being circumcised, thank God. And it's like you are already have a relationship with Jesus. So here we see, in verses, in verses four, he goes, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So pretty much he's calling these guys out. He's calling all these Jewish Christians that are actually attacking these Christians that have just received Jesus. And he's saying, hey, you guys, you guys want to talk about goals. You guys want to compare goals. Well, I want you to check my goals. I want you to check my life. I want you to check. I want you to look at the person who was most self-righteous. I want you to look at the person that had it all. I want you to look at the person who did it all, who saw it all. You want to come against me? You want to check my resume? Because I'll knock yours out of the ballpark. So Paul, he starts to, he starts to, he, he calls him out. He lists a couple, he lists seven things that he did in his own life. His old goals, this thing that he used to go after. And he lists them and he goes, he goes, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, person in the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. These seven things can be broken up into five different groups. And those five different groups, I don't know if they're going to have them up there. If not, I have them here. I don't need my notes. But the first one is this. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He had strong family heritage. He was from a thick Jewish background. The second thing that he had was a, he had social status. Because he was from the tribe of Benjamin, he was well known. He was upper echelon. He was distinguished because the tribe of Benjamin gave Israel her first king, King Saul. So if you were from the tribe of Benjamin, everybody knew who you were. Everybody knew your name. Everybody knew what tribe you were. And you were like, hey, they're, they're from the tribe of Benjamin. Don't mess with those guys. They're, they're, they're high up there. They're not like everybody else. So he had family heritage. He had social status. The second thing, he had biblical knowledge. He was like a Pharisee. When it comes to knowing the law, I was like a Pharisee. I don't know. I know a lot of times that Pharisees get bad reps because they do. They act like hypocrites. But what the Pharisees were good at is they knew the law like the back of their hand. They knew it. They could, they could quote it. They could memorize it. They, they had no issues knowing the law. They devoted their life to the law. So the third thing he had was biblical knowledge. He knew the Bible. He knew the law of Moses. Uh, fourth thing he had, it was religious activity. Yes, he per persecuted the Christians, but it was because he was so passionate about his religion, which was Judaism. He was persecuting the church of Christianity because of Judaism. Because, hey, why are these people turning away from Judaism? Why are they turning to Christianity? That's unacceptable. They need to be Jews. They need to follow the law. Why are they doing it? So he had passion when it came to church activity. And last but not least, he had a moral lifestyle. He was someone who lived by the law. He followed the rules. He did the right things. He's like, hey, look, I'm going to do this because the law says I'm pretty good. By the law standards, I'm a pretty good guy. 
And what you see on those lists, church, and I hope we get this, is that nothing on that list is a bad thing. This is all good things. Church, what didn't keep Paul back from following his goal for going after his goal was bad things. It was good things. And I know you're saying, well, I don't get it, Phil. Why would good things hold us back? This is what Paul is trying to say. Why does he say that the good thing, these good things are counted as lost? He's saying that because these are the things he used to do to get close to God. These are the things that before he was a Christian, before he understood Jesus and saw Jesus and understood what a relationship with Jesus looked like, he thought he had to do these things in order to get close to Jesus. He was living by the law. He was living by religion. He was just doing the day-by-day checklist. It wasn't bad things that were holding him back. It was good things. You see, we're talking about finding happiness in a world gone mad. All these things will get you happiness. They'll, get, they'll, they'll make you happy. How many know family life is so important? I love my family. Social status, everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to have a good reputation. It feels good to be loved. Biblical knowledge, hey, it's awesome when I read my Bible and I know it. I feel happy. I feel successful. Religious activity, I serve at the church. I'm in a connect group. That's awesome. That's going to give me happiness. Moral lifestyle, I give on Sundays. I help old ladies cross the street. I do good things. I'm a good person. And it'll give you happiness. But what Paul is trying to tell the church and what he's trying to tell us is that we are not people that live just on happiness. But in order to have a life full of joy, it only comes from Jesus. Only comes from Jesus. And I love how Philippians, uh, this chapter, verse 8 in the Amplified Version, it says that a life with Jesus is joy unequaled. I love my family, but my family is a little messed up at times, and there's not going to be times where I'm happy with my family. Uh, When I became a Christian, my social status went out the window, and now I have the identity of Christ. I mean, you know that without Jesus, the Bible is just a textbook, but with Jesus, it becomes a life book. How many know with your your religious activity, it's okay to join a connect group, it's okay to give, but do you know Jesus? Moral lifestyle. It's not about being good. It's not about, about, it's not about doing all these things in life that, that we consider is a good thing to do. And like, I do this, I do that. I'm a good person. Do I still go to heaven? Or oh, not if you don't know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? That's why Paul was such confidence. He was like, hey, if I'm the one that's going to talk about it, it's because I lived what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking out of something from no experience. I'm talking because this is the life that I had. This is the life that I lived. I lived going after every single thing on this list. I thought I had it all. I saw it all. But it's until I had an encounter with Jesus where I said, hey, you know what? The things that were gained to me, I now consider loss. I, I had the goals. I had these goals. I had that goal. I had that goal. But I got a new goal. And in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. That's his goal. That's how we move forward. That is our goal in life, church. The same goal that Paul had, that is our goal. It's not to, it's not to just, I'll, I'll just say this. In, in that list right there. None of those things, how good they are, can save you. None of those things can save you. And that's what Paul was trying to get across. Hey, the goal is, it, these are good things. It's not, it's not because they were harm to Paul. It's not because they're bad things for us and our, and our health and our lives. They're good things. But in the end, none of those will save you. Your family's not going to save you. Living a good life is not going to save you. Joining a connect group is not going to save you. Reading the Bible is not going to save you unless you have a relationship with Jesus and he opens the text and it makes it alive and real to you. What goals do we have, church? And are they the right goals? It all starts by following after the ultimate goal, which is I just want to know Jesus. That's what Paul is. It's so simple. It's like, hey, I, I, I had all these things. I did all these things. I was the best of the best. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. 
I had it. I had the goals that everybody wanted. And then I lived it out. It's like, I don't want these goals anymore. I just want to know Jesus. That is our goal, church. And if we're going to live a life going forward, if we're going to live a life going after Jesus, it's not going to be easy, but it's always, always going to be worth it. Always going to be worth it. And that leads me to my second point. Paul, in that first uh, chapter, verses 1 through 11, he talks about what the goal is. But then I believe in chapters uh, 12 through 15, he talks about what it takes to get to that goal. What it takes, what it's going to look like really going after that goal. Because, I mean, it's not just saying that that's your goal, but we actually have to live out our faith. We actually have to live out going forward into that goal. So he says in in 12 verses uh, 14, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I love how he starts these verses right here. He goes, he just, he, he makes it, I love that Paul, he's, he's so humble. I mean, Paul is somebody that I want to follow, and he had it going on. He was doing some crazy stuff. But him to say, I, I haven't obtained it, I, I haven't obtained it, I'm not perfect. You see, Paul, his, his goal wasn't impressing people. His goal wasn't to impress people, but it was to press towards God. Impressing people wasn't Paul's goal, but pressing towards God was his goal. And I love that he says that because how many of you know that we cannot, if we're going to grow, if we're going to follow that goal, if we're going to go after Jesus, it's not going to be with an attitude of I've already attained. It's not going to be with an attitude with I've already perfected. Because if you have that attitude where you have it all together, where you don't need help, where you don't need anybody, you're never going to grow. You're never going to go forward. And that's why Paul from the beginning of these verses is like, hey, look, in order for us to go forward after the goal, we have to lay some ground rules here. It has to come from a spirit saying, hey, you know what? I have not already obtained it. I have not perfected it. I still need help. I still need work. And when you can admit that to yourself, when you can have that spirit, you're going to move forward faster than ever before. You're going to grow stronger than ever before. But it has to be that attitude. Church, what if, what if our goal wasn't that we would ever arrive, but that we would just reach? Not that we would live a life like, I want to I wanna get to this status. Yes, I'm going to follow after Jesus, but I want to make sure that I have the biggest connect group ever. Or no, I want to make sure that I, I, I'm the best Bible scholar ever. Or I want to make sure that I give the most money. These are all good goals. But this is, not a, this is not a goal for us to arrive at something personal in our lives. But it's something that we need to strive for every day only to get closer to Jesus. That's the goal. That's how you move forward. And let me ask you this question. What is the route of your reach? If we are going to reach, where are we reaching? Are we reaching to our past? Are we reaching to our future? That's what Paul says. He says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining forward to what is ahead. So he's telling you, hey, we're going to reach in some direction. I know what I'm going to do, but what are you going to do? I think some of us, we, we're so quick to reach behind us for happiness. Because our past, yeah, we, we say it as a negative But there's a lot of good things that happened in in the past. We need to forget about the past and we need to move forward. Don't let what happened in in your past, whether it is good or bad, distract you from what God wants to do in your future. Don't forget. And and I know this is going to sound, it sounds crazy, but I applied in my own life. And I was talking to my dad about this. When I used to play college football and I know, I know I look skinny and I look like a hipster linguine with my ripped jeans and my button down shirt. But I used to play college football and, Those were the best times of my life. They brought me joy. They brought me happiness. But the moment they ended, I I knew I could never go back. I knew I could never go back to my past. So what did I do? 
I would get the, the game film. I would get the DVDs and I would pop them in. And I would start watching them. Only to hope that I would get the same joy that I did playing that I do watching. My hope was that if I put this CD in, there will be some sort of happiness I got from playing. But that's not the case. I will never get those days back. As, as harsh as it seems, as sad as it sounds, I'll never get those days back. Yes, they were awesome. Yes, they were amazing. But God has so much more in my future. So I say, hey, look, I thank God that I got to play football. I got to go to a great university. But I know he has so much more in store for me in my future. So whether it is good or bad, you need to look forward. What is the route of your reach? Maybe you're here and you're like, man, Phil, you don't know my past. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things I got myself into. You don't know what I'm, I'm dealing with right now. Yeah, I don't have to know what you're going through to know that God can still use you. I'm not going to act like I know what some people are going through with drug abuse or failing marriages. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and ask and act like I know these things. But what I do know is that we have a Savior that loves you just the way you are. No matter what your circumstance looks like, he's ready to pull you forward because he has a plan for your life. So whether it's good or bad, you need to look forward. Whether it is good or bad, you need to press on. In life, there's going to be things that are going to press back. But when you have that, that spirit of, hey, you know what? I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And when you have that power of his resurrection, you have that power to keep going forward. No matter what happens, because I don't know about you, but if someone came up from the dead, I want the power that they had. Because no matter what goes on in my life, I know I can get through anything. I thought of this, this story. I looked up, you know, a cool little illustration, a story that can relate to something like this. And there was two racers. There was a guy named Roger Bannister and John Landy. And Roger Bannister, oh, well, you can, that was going to be for later, but okay. So Roger Bannister, <laughs> Roger Bannister, Roger Bannister, he was one of the first guys to run a minute or run a mile under four minutes. And then this guy named John Landy broke his record. And so what they were like, oh, yeah, these guys are the two fastest guys in a mile. Let's put them together and let's, let's have them race. So in August 1954, it was, the, it was called the race of the century, the dream race, John Landy versus John Bannister. And the race was going good for John Landy for, for a couple miles, for a couple laps. He was doing good. He had the lead. Everything was going his way. But all it took was one decision of what he had to do with his body, and it all came crashing down. The race went where John Landy was in the lead, but it, they got to that last lap. And this thought of curiosity got in John Landy's mind, and he goes, where, where is Bannister? Where is he? And that thought took him to turn back. And when he turned back, his stride got messed up. His mode, his, his mind got all faltered. He wasn't in the same zone. He tripped up and he lost the race to Bannister. And that's the statue you see right there. The loss was so bad. It was so impactful in that society that they made a statue of it. Yeah, I know, feel bad for that guy, right? But when I look at this statue, what I see is what could have been. What could have been, and, and this is what's crazy, is when John Landy got interviewed after the race, they asked him, hey, uh, how you feeling, dude? He goes, I would have won the race if I hadn't looked back, if I hadn't taken my eyes off my goal. I look at that statue, and then I look at what he says. And can you imagine this feeling that I think some people have is like, 
but Phil, you don't know my past, and my past was so good. I wish I could just recreate it, or Phil, my, bad is, my past is so bad. I can't, it, it has a hold of me. And what it feels like is you're stuck in a statue, and you're not moving anywhere because of your past has a hold on you. And so you could feel like John Landy. You could feel like, man, I'm living in this regret of my past. I lost this race, and I was the statue to remind me every day of what could have been. But here's the thing about the story. That even though John Landy lost that race, and even though he had a statue of that race, that statue got destroyed. And John Landy came back to racing, and he broke more records. He won more races. And the same thing is for you here today, that no matter how bad your past is, or no matter matter how good your past was, that it doesn't have to be stuck in a statue because God is is not worried about you. He doesn't want you stuck in one place. He wants to use you to go forward, to advance his kingdom. And if you choose to let your past have a hold on you, you will be stuck in one place, and you'll miss out on all that God wants to do in your life. What choice are you going to make? How far are you going to reach? What direction are you going to reach? Because as long as you have the wrong direction, you're going to be going the wrong direction. Where is your reach going to go? Church, that we would never let anything hold us back, our past, no matter how good or bad it is. And then Paul, in the finishing up the remainder of the chapter, in verses uh, uh, 17 through 21, We talk about how he tells us what the goal is, which is knowing Jesus. He talks about what we need to do to go after the Jesus, which is to go forward. Lastly, he tells us, hey, going after your goal, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be, we're going to be pressing forward, but there's going to be a lot of things pressing back. And you need to know that there's other people running this race with you. Who has your back? Who's pushing you forward? And that leads me to my third and final point. The crowd you're attached to will lead to the life you're attracted to. The crowd you're attached to will lead to the life you're attracted to. You see, Paul is is very clear in in saying that, hey, this life is hard and you have to make sure you're, you're, you're running this race with the right crowd, with the right people. Who do you have running next to you? Who do you have, who do you have next to you that, that you know is going to have your back? And he breaks down these verses to, to two people, to two choices we can make in choosing who our crowd's going to be. And he says, you can either choose to look at those who live like us, or you can choose to follow people that only put their hope and their dreams and their, their ambition in earthly things. You have two types of crowd. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to attach yourself to? Well, look at what Proverbs 13.20 says. This is pretty harsh, but I think it's such a powerful verse to have in our lives and as a reminder. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. If you want to move forward and go after the goal, which is knowing Jesus, growing in Jesus, being more like Jesus, you need to find a group of people that are going the same direction you are, that are, that are following the same goal you are, that have hashtag goals like you do. Because the opposite It's very true. If you have the wrong goals, if you have the wrong friends, you are going to be missing out of, of, of everything that God wants to do in your life. Let me put it this way. If your coworkers and your best friends and your families are ignoring Jesus, are ignoring God, are not coming to church, it's only a matter of time before you start to refuse him too. It's a harsh reality. And that's why connect groups are so important. That's why we always, I feel like every teaching, there's always something about community. 
because it's so powerful. The, the, the community, the crowd you, you connect yourself with is where your life will be directed to. So who are you connecting yourself with? Who are your friends? Who are the people that you're hanging out with? Are they going after the same things you are? Are they, are they trying to further the kingdom, build the church like you are? are they, do they want to get closer to Jesus? Do they want to know Jesus? Are they making you more like Jesus? Are they pushing you to be like Jesus? Are they getting you out of situations that are not going to make you like Jesus? Are they asking you the hard questions? Are they getting in your face because your, your purpose is, is, is too great? Your calling is too great for you to fall under the things of this earth. You know, I love how, how Paul writes in this, in, this, in this text. And I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a lot of places where the text says that Paul was crying. Not even when he was persecuted. Not even when he was in jail. Not even on his deathbed. But here he writes that he has tears in his eyes as he's writing this. Because he knows the importance of community. And he knows what it looks like when people aren't in community. Paul isn't just crying for people who are Christians. He is crying for people that don't know Jesus. And as we are making a community something that we value, something that is important to us, we have to be careful. And what I'm not saying here is that if you're not a Christian, we don't like you. If you're not a Christian, we can't hang out. What I'm saying is if you're going to go forward, make sure you're surrounded by people going the same direction. That does not mean you need to ignore your friends. That does not mean you forget about the hurt, the broken, the people that are struggling with sin. There's a difference. You don't need to cut off everybody. You don't need to act holier than thou. But you need to set some boundaries. You're like, hey, look, guys, I can't go out with you. I gave up drinking. Hey, guys, I can't go out with you. I want to be pure before marriage. Hey, guys, I can't hang out with you. I have my connect group tonight. That doesn't mean you just disconnect completely. Because you're, you're going to end up being the only Jesus they might see. So that's why Paul is so passionate about this. One, because he cares about the Philippian church. And he's saying, hey, guys, look for those that are running in the same direction as you. But don't forget about the ones that aren't. Don't, don't forget about those who need Jesus, who don't know what the goals are in life, who don't know where to go, don't know who to follow. It's in community we have strength. It's in unity when we have strength. And we can go out into the world hand in hand, bearing the light of Jesus, spreading truth, love, and grace, and what happens is, is people are going to be more receptive to the gospel and to joining this community we called the church. And then last thing I want to finish with this, and the band can come back up. Well, I love how it finishes. Paul, he gives us a reminder of when we're on this, this, this earth, he reminds us that this is not our home. Earth is not our home. We are lonely just passing by. I love Earth. I love it. It's great. It's my favorite planet ever. <laughs> Pluto, second place. Is Pluto even still a planet? Who knows? Who cares? But he's saying, hey, let me remind you of something. That you are citizens of heaven. And that your conduct, your character, needs to align with your citizenship. That your conduct, how you act on this earth, how you act in your time here on this planet needs to, needs to align with how you will be in heaven. A citizen of heaven. Someone who is, who, whose home is not here but is in heaven. 
That doesn't give us a right to act however we want, knowing that we're going to have heaven. Doesn't, doesn't give us a right to change our character, to act differently. Paul is reminding us, hey, yes, earth is, our, is, is not our home and heaven is, but your conduct better, better align with your citizenship. You better not be acting like, you better not be acting how someone else would act if they're not going to heaven. Some, acting out differently of what the Bible tells us. Our conduct, our courage, our character aligns with our citizenship. And I love how it ends. It gives us such a beautiful picture that while we're going for the goal, going forward toward the goal, going toward the goal with all of our friends in the community, in the church, while we do that, yes, we're moving, but we're also, it's, it's like an active waiting. It's like we're working, but we know in the back of our minds that one day Jesus is going to return. One day he is going to come back. And when he does, we're not going to have any pain. We're not going to have any struggle. We're not going to have any more hurting, stress, that we're going to turn in these bodies for new bodies in heaven. Some of you guys are like, praise Jesus. <laughs> I just want to encourage you, church, today that you would reread Philippians 3 because there's a lot of good stuff in there. I love that as a church, we're going through this series together, growing, learning together. But you would never forget that you're only here for a moment. You're only here for a vapor, a mist, that life goes by so fast. It's crazy. I remember coming here as a youth, 17 years old, sitting in the back. I didn't even stay for the whole service. I left because I didn't like it. And now I'm 26, and I'm the youth pastor. And and, I, and I, don't, I don't say that, I don't say that to like, oh, cool, good for you, Phil, thanks. I don't say that, I just say like, I remember being 17 and I feel like I could have done so much differently and I didn't have the right goals at that time and there were some choices I wish I could have made differently. But I want to tell you here at church tonight that don't wait till you're 60, don't wait till you're 70. Don't wait till you have your last breath on this earth to make a change and to find new goals. That you would make a decision here today that your goal would be one goal and one goal only and that's to follow Jesus. That everything that you've done in your life, all the goals that you've done in your life, everything that you thought gives you happiness, everything you thought that gave you joy, that would be, hey, those are my old goals. I got a new goal. My goal is to know Jesus. Nothing else, no turning back. When Paul said, hey, I, I've, I haven't obtained this. I haven't already perfected it. He had only one choice and one way to go, which was forward. No turning back. This Christian life, we have to make a choice. If we're going to follow after Jesus, it's going to take all we have. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but it's always going to be worth it. We cannot turn back. There's nothing in our past that is worth turning back to. There's nothing in the past that is too bad. There's nothing in the past that is too good. It's only Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Like, do you really know Jesus? Or do you just hear about him at a connect group? Do you hear about him on a, on a Devo? But do you know him as a person who gives us grace and love? Do you know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? All those things are great that we talked about before, but they won't have the same effect 
without Jesus. That's the thing that Jesus does. He makes good things better. That's why the value of our church, our core value, our main value in our church is Jesus, Jesus at the center of our lives. Because when he's at the center, everything else will get better. When he's at the center, everything else will be better. I just want to pray for some people that maybe that's you and you, you can't answer that question because you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've come to church before and you're like, I kind of know him. I don't really know him. He knows you. He created you on purpose for a purpose. So if we can't, church, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes in a moment like this, and I can only imagine that there's some people here thinking and, and wondering, like, I don't really know Jesus, Phil. I don't really know him as a person. I don't really have a personal relationship with him. I have goals, but I think I like the ones you're talking about better. Maybe it's time for me to make a new change, a new start, a fresh, a fresh beginning. I feel like my life, I've been going to the past. I've been stuck in that moment. I've been a statue of what could have been. Today, you can start brand new. Today, you can go forward knowing that you have the power of the Holy Spirit on your side. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus to be your personal Savior, you can do that today. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you already knowing what you're going to make. The, he already knows the, the failures and the mistakes that you're going to make in life, and he still loves you. He died on the cross for you and for me, knowing that we were never going to be able to do anything to be saved ourselves. So he came down himself and saved us through his death, his sacrifice. If that's you, if you want to know Jesus here today, if you want to accept him, on the count of three, can you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Amazing. For those of you who raised your hand, first of all, you made the best decision of your entire life. And what we're going to just do now is we're, I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me a prayer to repeat after me. And this is not a prayer to the church. This is not a prayer to me. This is not a prayer to uh, the pastors. This is a prayer between you and Jesus. You can have a conversation with Jesus. And he's listening. So church, can we repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Lord Jesus, make, allow me to be, make yourself my goal. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to move forward in you, Jesus, for all the days of my life. No turning back. Lord, I love you. And I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we make some noise for everybody who made that decision? We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.